everyone, and welcome back to yet another new fresh episode from Fly Youth Podcast. I'm Myra, and this episode is going to be a bit different from our usuals, but we still want to get you guys a session for our January series. So please enjoy this excerpt of a presentation from none other than our research director, Muhammad Bahari, on how to become financially literate. So stay tuned. So uh, let's just dive in, not to waste any more of your time, and talk about how to become financially literate. And uh, first, I guess I should introduce myself. Uh, I'm Muhammad Bahari, a Star Wars fan and a movie pundit. So another shameless plug, please check out uh, a podcast I do with my friends called What Do You Think, where we talk about uh, films and pop culture. And I'm also a second year student studying history, politics and economics. Uh, but uh, when it comes to financial literacy, I am the research director at Fly Malaysia. And if you don't know what our organization is, it is an uh, student youth-led organization that works to empower youth with knowledge of economics and personal finance. And if you're wondering how to become financially literate, the answer is pretty simple. Just read our content. Um, we release articles, infographics, and podcasts on a monthly basis. So... Yeah, but let's circle back into defining financial literacy, right? And why do I find financial literacy to be an important topic that I think everyone should learn? Because um, has anyone noticed a general trend? I mean, now especially, if you have kept up with the news, you've heard of price rises, supply chain, wonkiness, which we've just published an article on. So do check that out. But if you look back to the 1960s, even of the 19. Uh, across time, you can say with confidence that prices do go up. And I think the best way to illustrate this is with everyone's favorite meal, going to McDonald's. And in 2012, you can check this, uh, for uh, I am going make the meal, regular meal, it'll cost you about 8 ringgit and 95 cents. But now we're looking at it costing you 13 ringgit, which is about a 30 to 40% increase. And this is a much broader trend and it's not just your know, food prices it's everything you know from utility bills from cars etc etc and i believe financial equipping yourself with financial literacy is important if in the society that we live in unless you live in somewhere like north korea where you don't really need money smarts because everything is kind of managed by the central government um in this more what is it capitalistic free society you need to be able to manage your money and also, the three key points of financial literacy are, uh, you know, investing, budgeting, and saving, which we will cover uh, throughout this presentation. But uh, to be financially literate, the key point is you need to manage your money well beyond the day-to-day. -day. Um, you need to ensure that you, you can survive, essentially, and you're, you can stretch that paycheck, or even better, not even have to rely on your monthly paycheck. Uh, you also need to save because uh, save and prepare because I think a lot of us lose sight that we've just gone through a once in a lifetime global pandemic and without an extra cushion to fall on in the face of uncertainty, job furloughs, it can get pretty tough. So uh, by empowering ourselves with the knowledge of financial literacy, we are able to not only make our lives easier, but give ourselves a peace of mind and uh, essentially, I like to live my life by this mantra, life is too short to worry about things that you can't control, and you should focus on what you can, which is uh, empowering yourself to become financially literate. And 
A key point of financial literacy is that it is a stepping stone to financial freedom. And what financial freedom means, as I understand it, is you reach a certain point where you aren't reliant on your salary month to month and you, you're at a point where your assets are generating that income passively, that you're free to do whatever you want, if that makes sense. And now let's dive into the one of the first core principle of financial literacy, which is uh, budgeting. And what is budgeting? Budgeting is about taking control of your life. And I know it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but it's true because um, you don't want your finances to take control of you, right? So it's about making a plan that puts you in control of your finances, making sure that you don't spend more than you have. And budgeting allows you to work towards your financial goals whether we're talking about your short-term financial goals like uh, paying for a holiday building your emergency fund medium-term goals such as putting a down payment for a house purchasing a car or your long-term goals uh, your retirement fund eventually unless you want to keep on working but i think uh, i found this interesting thing on twitter the other day and it raises the question does budgeting actually help people save money this experiment with a huge fintech company suggests not. And I'm not going to bore you with the details of what the study did, but uh, I thought it was very interesting that we can take some of the conclusions uh, from the study and see how we can actually budget effectively, right? The first point is to always focus on the fundamentals, right? So there was another study, there seems to be a lot of studies, uh, showed that teaching the key basic rules to business owners improved their accounting, bookkeeping, and revenue more than a traditional finance course uh, did. So basically, when in doubt, sometimes you can get bogged down by so many details that I'm going to tell you in the next slide, what are the fundamentals when it comes to budgeting? Also, this is kind of interesting, the idea of stronger together. So people uh, assigned to create and track savings goals in peer groups uh, together contributed 3.7 times more to new saving accounts than someone who did it individually. I probably wouldn't do this, but uh, if peer pressure works for you, why not use it in a good way to build your emergency fund? And here's a key point, honesty. Budgeters were overly optimistic, making budgets 25% lower than their regular spending, and they continued to overspend. So when you take stock and try to figure out your expenses and your income, that sort of thing, um, just look in the mirror and be honest with yourself because at the end of the day, you're only really lying to yourself and you won't be able to make the most out of the exercise of budgeting, okay? So all budgeting really is, is the idea of first, you need to identify your resources. And what that means is money coming into your life month to month, right? So we're talking about income from your salary, perhaps, if you're working. If you're a student, maybe you're lucky enough to get a small allowance every month. If you invest in the stock market, maybe you get dividends every three or four months or so. Or if you're taking out a student loan, um, that's money coming in. So you've got to identify what money is flowing into your life. And then also, you need to look into what's going out of your life, right? So identify your expenses, what you're spending on. And this is where we start to be able to have to label things, right? So the first one we should uh, identify is a fixed expense. And what a fixed expense is, is something month to month that you definitely need. You can't go without. So an example of this would be electricity bill for one, because without, you know, paying for your electricity, boom, or your rent, um, groceries that can be considered necessities and then you need to consider what your variable expenses are and what a variable expense is is things maybe that can be pared down month to month which means maybe you don't need 
to maybe you can eat outside less that sort of thing so the uh, point of the exercise is to get you to stand back and take stock of your habits that's about it so money coming in money coming out and uh, identify your resources what's going in identify your expenses what's going out and also when it comes to budgeting if 100% of your money coming in goes out like i said previously you're not able to grow and manage that money so you can beat inflation so uh you don't want to use all of it so let's say a good rule that people like to use is the 50 30 20 rule and this should go in the 20% should go into building your savings uh, which i will cover in a bit but if you uh, basically i've alluded to the idea of money going in money going out and there's a term for this it's called cash flow right and the idea of this was kind of popularized by a famous financial author robert kiyosaki in his book rich dad poor dad I, i'm pretty sure you can find a pdf somewhere but that is a youtube link audiobook sort of thing there and i recommend you listen to it at like 1.5 times speed uh, i think some of the contents a bit outdated but uh, still some valuable information in there but if you want to be a active uh, you know student you could try and play this game i highly recommend call cash flow um, it's really fun a uh, good evening out with your friends but now that we moved on from the basics of budgeting which is uh, that you need to master cash flow by identifying your income expenses that sort of thing uh, it's important to build up your savings right because with a strong savings as mentioned previously you have a mattress that you can fall back on so uh, by having large savings you can rest easy knowing that next month's rent is taken care of and you can get by if you lose your jobs especially in the pandemic you've seen how easy it is for uh businesses to just follow the employees like that and also um by saving you have an uh, expanded options to you know you have more control in your life example if your workplace is unhealthy you aren't being forced to stay in that job for your income you can just leave as you have a cushion to fall on and saving empowers you to invest which we shall get to in a bit so yeah Uh, this should have actually come before budgeting but uh here's a nice way to think about once you start identifying your uh income month to month money coming in is the 50 30 and 20 rule so people like to say 50% of your money should go to your needs right rent utilities transportation 30% should go into your wants meaning non essential groceries maybe things that are a bit pricier that you enjoy which you just should buy because life is too short anyway um maybe it's the money for holidays or entertainment meaning your netflix subscriptions that sort of thing and 20% should go into savings as well as servicing debt so this is a rule of thumb that people like to use um but me personally i use this it's an app that you have to pay for but there is a free tier uh it's called i'll send you the link if you're interested and i'm not sponsored and do note that the higher Yes, do cost money, but if it saves you in the long run, why not? Right? If it costs me 100 ringgit for a lifetime subscription, but it saves me like a lot of money because I'm accounting for my expenses, I see it as a good deal. And if you are buying the lifetime version, don't buy it from the App Store, Google Play Store. Purchase it directly from the website because uh, if you did not, Apple and Google charge like a 30% tax on in-app or purchases in general. So that's how you get it cheaper. And just some quick tips from me when. you're beginning to budget and save and think about your money smart um the first one is an extra account so using a separate account or utilize short term fixed deposits for that emergency fund because when you have a fixed deposit basically you put your money in for 
a tenure that you decide maybe a month, maybe two months, but and you get a small interest, which is a bit higher than what would be if you just kept it in your regular savings account. Uh, and the good thing is you can't touch it. And although the interest is very small because we're in a low interest rate environment currently, uh, still some money is better than no money. Uh, people also say that prioritizing for essentials is a good idea, uh, such as there's an idea where people put envelopes of, uh, they, they set, set aside the money that they need to pay for rent, et cetera, et cetera, so they don't accidentally use it and it's gone. Uh, shopping list, especially the way grocery stores are designed, you're going to just pick everything uh, just like that. They want you to spend money, so you need to be smarter than um, the large-scale grocery stores. And do you and figure out what you want and be honest. It's fine if you want to purchase, you know, goods like for me, I love buying these Pop Funkos, if you have no idea where they are, they're like tiny heads from films and TV shows. But, you know, it's fine to want materialistic things. Just uh, figure that out in advance and don't spend or purchase things impulsively. But now, investing, something that I've kind of alluded to a few times. Uh, but this, I think, is the best way in achieving financial literacy. And I think investing is incredibly cool because one, it's all about choice, right? If you do your research and your due, due diligence, um, you get to have a stake in companies that, and I'm talking specifically about stocks, you get to have a stake in companies that you use in your daily life, right? So you get to share in the profits. And also investing allows you to learn so much more about the world, like just uh, being immersed in the Malaysian stock market for the last two years, you understand the complexities of GLCs, contracts, that sort of thing. But as mentioned before, I think investing is necessary. And if you want to invest in something a bit simpler, say like, a, not simpler, let's say an inflationary hedge, like a ASBS, and that's perfectly good. It's important to plant and start somewhere, but investing is necessary to beat out the effects of inflation, right? You don't want your purchasing power to reduce you know, if you just had $100 or 100 ringgit for like, what, five years, you could buy less things. So investing allows you to grow that money. And simply saving kind of just gets you nowhere. And in the age of low interest rates, it's far too low. It's far too hard to achieve financial freedom, let alone even beat inflation. So it's about taking matters into your own hand. And as uh, someone interested in the stock market, let's be real, there are a lot of flaws. There's a lot of discussions about corporations prioritizing profits over people, the environment, social issues. But uh, in my eyes, I think it's kind of beautiful because in many ways, um, there is no, literally no barrier. The only barrier is you need, I guess, money, but um, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your uh, race, that sort of thing. Anyone can have ownership in a company uh, if you purchase it on the open market. And Here's a key point of investing, a quote I made up, someone probably said it first, but I really like it. Uh, investing is like planting. Sometimes seeds go bad. Sometimes it's a really good harvest. But if you don't plant anything, nothing will ever grow. So it's important for things to grow. So you have that sort of shade. That makes sense. And I could talk about some... Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about some nuggets of wisdom, if you will. Um, the first thing I can say is go long, which means that nothing can be said with certainty. But if you're invested in the long run, odds look pretty good. Uh, I don't know about crypto, but in terms of the US stock market, which I'll talk about in a bit, no, odds look pretty good. And here's a key point, do not leverage, this is just my personal advice. 
unless you understand the risk involved, which if you do more power to you, but but as someone who's been burnt out by it, yeah, I can't recommend it in good conscience. And also don't follow the crowd, invest in what you know, ensure that you've done your due diligence well, because when uh, it's a bumpy road ahead, so when it dips like 10, 20%, are you sure that you can hold on with conviction? And also go beyond. There's so much more to financial literacy than just investing, but I think it's the best tool to achieve financial freedom. There's a lot more to talk about. Uh, taxation, banks, insurance. It's a whole interesting world that I'm pretty sure people in the 70s and 80s are still learning about. But I'm just going to touch on what I think is the most young-ish friendly investment that you could make. But obviously, it doesn't come. It obviously comes with huge risk. Anytime you put in money in the stock market, don't let anyone tell you it's risk-free. Nobody knows where it's going to go up or down. So uh, if I could introduce you, I've talked about the market a lot and you might hear this term, but basically uh, the S&P 500, if you don't know, is an index that tracks the 500 largest companies in the US. So what you can actually do is invest in something called a S&P 500 ETF, which aims to track the movement of the index. So by as the fund basically invest in the 500 largest companies in the US. So let's say the US market one year is up 20%, your investment will also be up 20%, but if the index falls by 10%, your investment will fall as well. And this in no way should be misconstrued as financial advice, but an S&P 500 index funds um, historically, or the, for the past 10 years, has given an annual return of 13.6%, which far exceeds the inflation. Although in one year in 2018, it dipped by about three or 4%, I believe. So. Um, my point is, in the long run, the US stock market is probably going to go up forever unless you think that the US is on the verge of collapsing anytime soon. And that about more or less concludes my short presentation on financial literacy. And I do invite you to uh, check out our content that we publish, whether it be on our website or follow us on our Instagram page or on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. And as I mentioned previously, feel free to connect with me here on LinkedIn or just email me. I'd be happy to chat with you or give you any advice, not financial advice, obviously, but help you on your journey to financial literacy. And okay, and I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Um, I believe the aim of the conference is the empowerment of financial literacy and with regard to the female perspective, right? And obviously I am not a female, I don't identify as a female, but I think it's important. And if there are men here, great. If you guys have male friends, I don't know, share this message, but it's important for men to remain strong allies in helping foster and break various glass ceilings and join in the fight to achieve true equality, right? because systems have been put in place that have existed for decades or even centuries meant to oppress uh, women. So uh, it's very important for everyone to help recognize the disparities that women face in society and we all should work together to try and get rid of that so we can achieve a more equitable and equal world for all. So yeah, I hope you found this interesting. And thank you.